Xavier, you heard of D1, right? Yeah, he's a New Orleans rapper, grew up in New Orleans East. And didn't he go to your alma mater, Ben Franklin? Yeah, that's right. Actually, he was um, had an interview with them on my last podcast show with Dr. Matt Moore. It's actually a really good show. We'll drop the show notes in here. We'll drop the link in the show notes here. But check out a sample of one of his songs. Absolutely 100% relevant to today's show. Xavier, I'd be rich if I had a dollar every time I heard someone say, man, I wish I knew 20 years ago what I know today about money. They need to be teaching about this stuff in school. Like the power of investing early. Compound interest. That alone would impact lives. Understanding and planning for taxes. Understanding the difference between both good debt and bad debt. Eric, what about all the stuff about money that business owners need to know? What kind of insurance should you be buying? The importance of contributing towards your retirement. They don't teach any of this stuff in school. Y'all sit back, get ready, because we are talking stuff about money they didn't teach you in school that you need to know. Welcome back to the Stuff About Money podcast. This is Stuff About Money They Didn't teach you in school. I am Eric Garcia, certified financial planner. And as always, I say as always, as always, when we're not having technical difficulties, joined by my co-host Xavier Angel, certified financial planner. What's up, Xavier? Hey, Eric, how you doing today? Man, I am excited about oh, our yeah? show today. Uh, we've got a great, uh, oh, yeah, yeah th- we've got a great uh, guest yeah, speaker on. Right. Uh, we've got Nolan Frias. Oh, hold on. Before we get to Nolan, Nolan hold on. Frias. Before we get to Nolan. No. <laughs> Cut, cut that, oh, we're not cut we're that cut, we're back. not cutting anything out. Go Before ahead, we get over. to Nolan, this is this is like live, kind of <laughs> like quasi live TV here, man. Before before we get to Nolan, y'all, we need you to follow us. If you think that the information we're bringing to you is valuable, go find us stuffaboutmoney.com. Go find us on your favorite podcast lift, listening app. And I'm going to tell you this: a lot of the topics that we are planning here in the future. The topics are coming from questions that I'm getting from people over the holiday break. These are these are questions that I'm hearing from everyday average people, just like you. Not you're not average. You're average in that like you're everyday people. Okay. So I'm not calling you average. But we want to hear from you. If there's something about money that you have a question about, if you go to our site, stuffaboutmoney.com, there's a place there for you to drop us a question. And who knows, maybe, just maybe your question makes it to our show. And Maybe if you're really, really lucky, maybe we'll have you on to have uh, on as a guest to talk about that topic. Okay, now let's get to the show. Go ahead, Xavier. All right. As I was saying, Eric, look, I am excited to have Nolan Frias. Um, Nolan Frias is a wholesaler with John Hancock Investment Manager, um, as well as a financial planning enthusiast. So great to have him on here. He's married to Kelly Frias, and he is the dog father. Yes, the dog father uh, to Jackson. (laughs) Outside of the office, you can find Nolan on the golf course or cheering on the New England Patriots. He likes to to talk about their dynasty. So so welcome on, uh, Nolan. 
How you doing today? Uh, Xavier, happy to be here. Eric, happy to be here. Uh, things are good, man. You know, anytime you get pre-Christmas, pre-holidays, pre-New Year, end of year, it's, things are good, man. It's a happy time of year. All right. Hold on. Be- before we, I, I got to ask about this, man. That is, that is, I'm, I'm listening to your intro, okay? Dog father. Now, look, I'm not judging anybody, man, but that sounds like the most millennial thing I've ever heard today. You know what? It is a millennial thing, man. And you know, growing up, I never had my own dog. My wife, uh, my wife, my wife Kelsey always had one. So uh, after we part- bought our home, we we ended up getting one. And I, I never thought, you know, because I don't have children yet, that you could love something so much so fast. And so you know, he's definitely fit that role for me, for my wife, for our family. And so you know, I think he's earned he's earned that title to to be considered a quasi child at this I'm, stage. I'm of just our giving life. you a hard time, man. You don't you don't hear many Gen Xers going around saying I'm a dog father. <laughs> I'm a dog father. I, I'm gonna have to use but that. You're a dog one. father. So, I, yeah, dog father. I, I love it because look, Bo's like my child. I thought. I hey, thought you maybe know, you, you might want to watch out. Snoop Dogg might have something to say about that. But <laughs> I thought maybe I thought maybe you mistyped it and you meant Godfather to Jackson, but it's it's legitimately dog father. But we're not here to talk about dogs or 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 millennials or gen. Maybe we're maybe the generation stuff will will come into this, but. Um, and even though you're a New England Patriots fan, defiling my podcast, defiling our podcast, Nolan, I'll, I'll forgive you because I like you and, and it'll all be good. Now, okay, so so we're bringing you on the Stuff About Money podcast for a very specific reason. And I did, before before we get into the, our topic for the day, I did a little bit of math here, okay? So y'all follow me. Um, I'm going to assign each of us a number. Okay. This is this pop quiz. We're in school. All right. We're taking you to school. Here's a pop quiz. I'm going to assign each of us a number and I'm going to see if you know what I'm referencing. Okay. So Nolan, you're 16. All right. I'm six and Xavier, you're 12. Nolan, 16. Xavier, you're 12 and I'm six. Do either of you know what I'm referencing? Oh man, come on! Dead air is not good for podcasting, y'all. I it All could right. be a million things. Oh, oh, so I, I, it's yeah. So I'm I'm gonna assume that six. I'm gonna okay. start with the six. That's the that's the gonna be the number of years for the average. No, um, no, you're you're overthinking it. You're overthinking financing you're overthinking. of a car. No, no, it's, I'm it's, overthinking. This is it? like okay. I I I, I hope <laughs> that this isn't. You guess mine. <laughs> I know where you're going. I'm stopping you because I don't want you to get into this yet. Okay. So actually, no, no. 16. Okay. Okay. If this is any indication to the quality of the content that Nolan is bringing to the show, y'all, we are in luck. That's the number of letters behind your name, dude. 16 letters. Wow. Xavier, you're at 12 and I'm at six. So I am the, um, the junior, uh, person. (laughs) On this podcast, <laughs> sixteen, Nolan, man, I don't think Nolan ever left school. <laughs> enthusiast, I said I'm an enthusiast. Yeah, I wasn't lying. That wasn't just a talking point. <laughs> I'm, I'm just busting your chops. No, but uh, clearly, when someone has that many designations behind their name in in this space, it means that they're they're clearly committed to to the industry and to their uh, to their craft. So I'm just giving you a hard time. But Xavier does have twelve, and he just added CFP to his his uh, repertoire recently. So I'm feeling like I got to go back to school. But all right, pop quiz, and this is going to lead us into our topic. All right, you ready? 
what is, and y'all can, y'all can just shout it out. If you're listening in your car, you can shout it out as well. Just won't hear you. What is the average car note in America as of last year? Average $12,000. No, car note, car note. Monthly, oh, mon- monthly, oh, note, monthly, monthly note. Monthly payment? Yep. Monthly 450 note. bucks. 450? 600. 600. $568. 500. That's the average monthly car note in America. And we're going to talk about car notes here in a second. But Nolan, I'm going to ask you the question that we ask all of our guests. You ready for this one? Yeah. Ready. Maybe you've been preparing for this. Maybe this is going to catch you by surprise. What's one thing about money that you know now that you wish you would have known? I can't say 20 years ago because 20 years ago you, you, um, you know, you, you probably weren't even thinking about money. 10 years. Let's go 10 years league, ago. Ten, playing Little League 20 years ago. <laughs> six years ago. <laughs> you were still in uh, school 10 years ago. Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing for me is probably, and, and I see it with my friends, and, and this is something that I actually try to educate my friends and, and peers on, family members on, is that not all debt is bad, right? We, we get, especially, you know, a lot of people, and studies show this, I mean, just talk to anybody and they'll tell you this, they get their financial guidance from their parents, right? And, and from their trusted friends. And you know, you know, my parents are both in their 60s and it's this this concept, and especially with like my wife's family, is that if you have any type of debt, you're you're doing something wrong. Like you shouldn't buy this or you shouldn't do that because, you know, you took on debt to do it. And and that's something that as I've gotten older and more mature, especially, you know, not to rabbit hole interest rates, but you know, where we have interest rate costs right now is not all debt's bad, right? And that's something that I wish maybe when I was in my early 20s that I wish I kind of knew rather than being as frugal as I was, maybe went on more vacations, right? Maybe bought a house sooner because, you know, I got scared into thinking if you don't have the 20% down, you don't have, you know, sizable sums of money that you can't go purchase something you want because if I take on more debt, that means I'm doing something wrong. So for me, that that's something that really stands out that not all debt is bad. Talk to us. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying, no, I, go, I want to hear a little bit more about that because Xavier and I did a show um, to to kick off the the new year for 2022. We're recording at the end of 2021, but the show was two ways to increase your net worth in 2022, and one of them was to reduce your debt. Right? What you your assets minus liabilities is your net worth. If I can decrease my debt, then I increase my net worth. And we did actually talk about this idea of good debt versus bad debt. So I want to hear from your perspective. You said not all debt is bad debt. Kind of, can you nuance that for us? Yeah, sure. So, so an example, you know, if I want to buy new speakers, I want to buy a new video game system, I want to buy something that isn't necessarily pertinent for my life and I can't afford it. I want to buy a new watch, right? I want to buy my wife jewelry because she deserves it, right? And I'm taking out credit card debt to pay for those things. Not necessarily good, right? What's the average interest rate on a credit card payment? Like 19, 20% 20%, if you're lucky? Yeah. Yeah. So that is is debt that I view as, and you just hit the nail on it, it's good debt versus bad debt. Um, An example from my personal life, you know, of of debt that I view as like good debt or smart debt, uh, we're redoing my deck. Mm -hmm. I have a two-story wraparound deck. Now, I have the money to pay for the deck. Sitting in an investment account, my savings, could pay the contractor off tomorrow with one check. Now, we're not doing that. What we're doing instead is leveraging a home equity line of credit. 
right? That That's debt right now where interest rates are. Knock on wood, they don't go up too much. Mm-hmm. But that's like two and three quarters percent a year. And I only have to make interest payments for the first 15 years. So I feel like if I ask certain people, particularly maybe my parents or, or, or older people I admire and respect their opinion, they might say, Nolan, why would you why would you take out a loan for that? You have the money, pay for it. Get it, get it. But I view it as, you know, I can keep tens of thousands of dollars in my bank account, liquid, for emergencies, for anything mm-hmm. that I might need cash for. I could invest that money in the stock market. I could invest the money in a bond. I could do whatever with that money. Rather than losing that, and the only cost for this is my payment a month is like literally $50. That's not bad. You're telling me I'm going to keep thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in the bank or invested and I don't have to pay that or, or give that out and I can leverage it. And the, the cost for that is $50 a month until I'm ready to pay it off. I don't know. If you ask me 10 years ago, I might say, no, no, take the money and, and, and spend it down. Like, why would I, why would I accrue that? Nolan at age 30? I don't know. I, th- I think I'm being pretty smart with it and, and, and leveraging and the ability to grow my assets elsewhere. If I can get a higher rate than 3%, it's a pretty good deal. And, and those were all things that we talked about in that, in that last podcast uh, that we did. Um, one question I do have for you, though, when you, when you, when you take that um, or on those monthly pay notes, payments, are you going to pay those back? Do you intend to pay those back over, over the course of you know, four or five years? You're going to pay it back early if you have the opportunity? T- tell me a little bit about what your strategy is to pay it back. Yeah, absolutely. So in my profession, my pay is extremely lumpy. About half my pay is tied to salary. Let's call it the other half is tied to various incentives, bonuses, etc. And my plan is probably over the next three or four years, as I start gathering bonuses, knock on wood, hopefully you can still hit those. But as as these larger lump sum payments that I don't rely on my day to day or month to month, expenses come in is to take some of those and and throw larger sums of money at those at that note you know fortunately you know the the monthly payments low enough where you know if i didn't hit a bonus or didn't get that type of income coming in each year that it's not going to like put me in any financial tough situation but you know when i get those windfalls i'll have the ability to to start taking chunks out of those larger amounts you know, kind of, you know, four or five times a year, just depending on, you know, various circumstances. All right. So I, I need to signpost something here for our listeners. Okay. Y'all, y'all, I want you to hear what Nolan is saying. Okay. He started off by saying not all debt's bad debt. He would have used debt differently. What he's not saying is run out to the bank and just go borrow a bunch of money. Okay. What, what, what you just heard him very eloquently describe to us is a thoughtfulness on how he spends his money, okay? So so he thought through this decision to whether he should pay for this debt cash or to borrow against his house at a very cheap interest rate. So there was some decisioning, there was, there was some decision-making in there. He was looking at the, what's, the, what's the cost to borrow money? Because that's what interest rates represent. How much does it cost for me to borrow money? I gotta pay somebody else to use their money. What's that cost gonna be? And what he said was interest rates are low right now, so the cost is relatively low. The second thing, and I think maybe the most important thing that he said in there was he's talking about his income. His income's kind of lumpy. But notice what he's doing. He is spending less than he's making. Right? He's got a lifestyle 
that is uh, that costs him less than the actual amount of income that he's making on an annual basis. So that gives him the I'm going to say the the freedom to use debt in a in a proactive or in a in a constructive way. So that's super. I like the term. I like the term optionality. Optionality. That's something I've heard quite a bit from from some of those I work with in the industry, and I love the term optionality. Now, if something were to happen, Eric Xavier, right? I have the optionality that I have savings in the bank. That if something were to drastically change in my life, I'm not behind the eight ball on this note for my deck, and that you know, if God forbid something horrible happened to me or my wife or, or our jobs and our income, that I have the the flexibility, the freedom, the optionality to, to leverage that. But right now, I don't have to. And as I've mentioned, you know, a few minutes ago, that there's no real need for me to do that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that cash gives you you options. The 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 the, the uh, risk of leverage, the risk of borrowing money, is that anytime you owe somebody, it it has a tendency to magnify problems when they come up. Right, you lose your job. Oh my gosh, I owe somebody. It magnifies that problem. So when you when you have access to cash, that optionality it gives you it does give you options um, to uh, to hold on to it, to invest it, to save it for an emergency. Um, but you got to be in a position to be able to to use it constructively. Like I said, if you if you're borrowing and you are living at the top of your lifestyle, and if anything goes wrong, you, you like to use your term, you have zero optionality, you have zero margin for error. So I think that's that's huge to have that to be living below your means to have that um, option. I really like that phrase as well, optionality, the availability and flexibility. So I, I love that. Cool. So, okay. So that's what, um, that is what Nolan is, is bringing to the table. That's what he's learned, that not all debt is bad debt. And what's interesting, we, we come back, We jo- I joked about being a millennial in generations, but it's interesting. You talked about your parents' generation, and I'm kind of in the middle of your parents and, and you. I'm at the... I'm at the very end of Gen X, so I have some millennial tendencies, but I, I do favor Gen X in the stereotypical way that we view the world. Um, you talked about your parents at 60 giving you advice that you at 30 is like, well, come on, well, maybe, maybe not. Like when you were when you were my age, the the economic landscape was totally different. The variables are totally different, and I think that's important. And I've noticed this that the way clients in different generations process and digest advice is totally different based on the economic circumstances that they came of age during. And I think that's, I think that's, I think from a behavior standpoint, I think that's something important to, uh, to make note of. To to expand on that, Eric, too. I mean, one example I think of is my meme, you know, my, my meme passed away about seven years ago and you know she was a child through the great depression <laughs> so her her perspective and i think of like something like debt which, which was like you you don't get in debt yeah period like there there was no there was no good bad or good bad or, or middle yeah. ground debt it was just you avoid debt at all costs and if you don't have the cash to pay for something that means you don't go out to eat you don't buy that new shirt you don't buy the new deck even yeah. though you might need it because you don't have the money to pay for it. So that was something that, to your point on different generations having a vastly different, you know, understanding or, or respect for money is, is huge. And there, I think there's wisdom. There's a certain amount of wisdom in that. Like, you know, we, we, we've lost the, um, we've lost the personal 
in personal finance. I mean, personal finance, we, we, we throw out this blanket advice because this is personal finance. This is what you, three to six months in an emergency fund. Don't borrow. Like we've taken the personal <laughs> out. Like it, it depends. I mean, a lot of people ask me a question. And I'm like, I don't know. It depends. <laughs> you know, financial planning is more of an art than it is science. And I think the industry has tried to make it into too much of a, of a science. I think you're absolutely right. And a science oh, and oh, go and, ahead, Xavier, please. Yeah, I was I was going to say a science, and also that it's just a box that everybody's going to fit in that same box. But everybody's going to be different when we're coming to the table and planning. And I, I was going to say I remember. So I have a financial advisor, right? I, I pay someone to ensure that I'm not as smart as I think I am, and and to be you know an unbiased. Does he have more letters over, than you? He does not have more letters than me, which is funny, and it's a it's a neat dynamic because there are some things for him in his practice that I'll throw out, and he'll go, "I didn't even know you could do that." And so it's a very good dynamic. But to, to your point on personal finance being personal, I remember vividly about four years ago, before I was engaged, I'm now married. Uh, we had just bought the house, and we were, we were reviewing our debt of my my spouse and I, and she had student loans. I was fortunate enough to not. And I remember vividly him saying, you know, Nolan, this is where personal finance is about to get really personal, you know, because, you know, are you comfortable helping your wife use some of your money to pay off debt that's in her name? You're not married yet. You're not even engaged, but you're living together. You're trying to plan for the future together and, you know, helping her pay off that debt faster using your joint income is like a wise move because we could afford to do it. But just the statement, this is where personal finance gets personal, you know, it, it could be categorized as, you know, like a financial advisor line. But, you know, it's something that, again, four years later on this podcast, I'm bringing it up as saying that was embedded in my brain as being something very impactful, you know, to decision making yeah. at that stage of my life. That's good. That's good. All right. So Nolan's already kind of taken us to school a little bit, but now we're really we're, now we're really, really, really going to go to school, okay? So, I, Nolan, I invited you on the show for a very specific reason. This, is, this, is, this might be the reason why our friendship kind of blossomed because we've had so many conversations <laughs> about this. And quite frankly, I'm actually a little bit, uh, I was a little bit surprised when you said your answer to the question of what's something about money. You said not all debt's bad debt. That kind of took me, I'm, I'm not going to lie, that took me a little bit by... Um, by surprise, because you're driving a, what, a 10? How, how old's your car? My I drive a 2005 Toyota Corolla. 2005. Did you buy it in 2005? Uh, no. My mom and dad bought it for me when I was a sophomore in college. Okay. Because I had gotten an internship in financial services. I was going to be transferring schools and I think they just said, listen, you know, we can't be chauffeuring you around to school because I was going to live at home. So I wasn't going to live at school. Um, I had a job in retail and then I was working for a financial advisor. So, you know, there's a lot of places I needed to be at various times during the day and, and, you know, trying to coordinate that between my mom, my dad, sister, aunt, uncle, they said, this is insane. So fortunately they went out and uh, bought me the car for me. So you've been driving for what, 10 years, 11 years? Yeah, 10, 12 years, yeah. 10 or 12 years. You've had no car note for 12 years. No car payment, nope. No car payment. That's got to that's gotta feel great. Yeah, it, it does. And, and going back to my financial advisor, that's the thing every meeting, when he smiles and asks me, are you still driving that car? 
and he fills out our spreadsheet and he he looks at that and, and on our balance sheet it says 2005 Toyota Corolla no car payment um i see the smile on his face you know every other every year that we we meet and talk about it all right so so 2020 the average car note was 568 obviously 10 11 years ago it wasn't 568 it was a smaller number that number has increased over time but i'm going to guess one of the reasons that you're able to pay cash or have the optionality to pay cash for your wraparound deck around your house is because you haven't had a car note in 12 years. Yeah, that that really does. And I mean, it, and it's funny because, you know, I'm, I'm 30. I have a, a tight-knit group of friends who are, are successful in their own ways. And I drive the worst of the worst cars out of all of them, right? A lot of them have gotten new trucks every few years. I have a friend who's in construction and he's gotten a new truck three times, two times in the past six years. Uh, when I pull up, when we, when we meet up to go snowboarding and they, they see me take the turn onto a street, they, I can just see the laughter, right? The, the Corolla has uh, only one hubcap. My starter is literally at one point melted off. Literally had to get it towed because the starter melted off. And it's one of those things where I look at them, one of them drives a Range Rover. You know, I, I think he's the one averaging up those car payments, you know? Um, so it's it's certainly been interesting from that standpoint because I see friends drive really nice cars. You know, when we go places, we don't drive my Corolla. You know, I never I never have to drive because nobody wants to drive in it. And um, yeah, but it's it, it's it has led to a lot of optionality for me. Where you know, I mean, think about it, right? If I had the five hundred and sixty eight dollar car payment a month, I mean, it's over six thousand dollars a year I have now back in my pocket just because I have a car that can do A to B. So as, as you're, as you were describing your car, you know, getting towed, I, um, this might be, this might be before your time. It might not be before your time. Xavier, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, that Sir Mix-a-Lot song, my hoopty, or my hoopty rolling tailpipe dragon. He don't work. And my girl, he keeps nagging. Does your wife nag you about your 1980 or 1985? You're, uh, your 2005, 2005. <laughs> No, she doesn't. And, and the reason is because uh, up until three years ago, that was our primary car. She she drove a, a 2008 Jeep Liberty that in its own right had a bunch of problems. And when she got her job um, out of college where she had to commute quite a bit all over Rhode Island, she needed a safe and reliable car. And so we ended up buying her uh, an old lease, like a, a lease that was um, not purchased. And so we have her car is relatively new. It's like a 2000 um, Jeep Compass. And so, you know, for our longer trips, when we go to New Hampshire, we go on vacation, et cetera, that, that's what we drive. But I mean, for me, to, to putz around town to the golf course, to go to the grocery store, again, just an A to B mm-hmm. and to get there, the Corolla is amazing. So no, my wife was, uh, my wife was not, uh, is, is okay with me driving it because she never, ever has to get in it. <laughs> <laughs> I drove up until November of 2021. I drove a 2011 Ford F-150 and I traded it in on the month that it made 10 years old. And I was actually going to do it pre-COVID, but COVID hit. I'm like, you know, I'm not driving anywhere, so I'm not going to do it right now. And I finally had to, I finally had to pull the trigger. It would, it would leak. I had a leak in there and it smelled a little bit like a, like a locker room. And uh, I had a business partner coming in town. I'm like, this is like, I I know I need a new car. I've been wanting to get, so like I finally pulled the trigger, but drove it for 10 years, 10 years. But ever since I got a new car, 
my car is the one that's where we like we take my car as a family everywhere you know, my, my wife's got a nice minivan so now you know we, we go to church we're taking my car we always used to take her car my wife would not want to step foot in my uh, <laughs> 2011 um ford and she she'd been pushing for me to get a new car for a while in fact have you read the millionaire next door you know that book I know the book. I have not read it. So basically the guy did a bunch of research on millionaire behaviors. And one of the things that he noticed, a common thread across millionaires. Now this research was done, I think in the nineties, his daughter has followed up with the next millionaire next door. In fact, she's been a guest on the podcast, uh, Sarah Falau. But what he found was your average millionaire. We're not talking about the Bill Gates of the world. We're talking about the people (laughs) that, that you probably wouldn't even recognize as, as millionaires. The average millionaire, drove a domestic car and lived in a three bedroom ranch house. So they, they, they didn't put all their money in their cars. They weren't putting all their money in their house. They saved to have optionality. That's, that's going to be my word of the month. Optionality. I like that. But the average millionaire. In fact, I think they said the average millionaire drove a Ford F-150. I think that's what they found in the actual study. So, all right. I did some math here. And I need y'all to, I I, I ran these numbers and I'm pretty sure they check out, okay? Um, But I'm less concerned with the accuracy of these numbers, but more concerned with just the the appropriateness of this strategy. Okay, Nolan? So I want to, I'm going to, we're going to teach people how to never have a car note. Okay, so follow, follow my numbers here. All right, now, these are just... Arbitrary, I mean, they're not arbitrary numbers. They're based on something, but you know, um, you, you'll see what I'm saying. Okay, so the average car loan term, do you know the answer to that? The average car loan term, Nolan? Six years? Six years, 71.54 months. That's insane. We are financing cars longer and longer. And I think that tricks us into thinking we can afford more car than we really can. So um, that is, so if the average car note is $568 a month and we're paying for cars over 72 months, the average person is financing $37,500. Okay? Okay. That's just simple time value money calculation. So now let's just say I'm going to use 10 years as the time. I know this is probably most people aren't going to drive a car for 10 years, but let's say you drove a car for 10 years. All right. So you buy a car today, you drop 37,500, you finance it over 72 months, you pay 568 a month in the sixth year or after the sixth year, you're done paying it but you keep paying yourself $568 a month, right? You take that money and you're literally investing it, putting it into a, an account that's going to grow. Let's do, let's be conservative here and let's say you can earn 6% on your money, right? So I pay my car off in six years. I keep paying 568 a month into an account for the next four years. It earns 6%. At the end of the 10th year, I'm going to have $30,000 in my account. Right? Sounds right? Sounds good? Okay. Sounds good. Okay. I'm I'm trying to, I'm doing it It slow. It actually sounds really great. Okay. Sounds great. (laughs) It's going to get better. It's going to get better. Now, then let's say. And and Eric, you you said, you said you didn't know if the average person has drives a car for 10 years, but you've got three individuals sitting on this podcast right now that has had their car for at least 10 years. Okay. All three of us. And, and, and. So these numbers work out well. We have. Let's see, 22, 34 letters behind our name. So we must be doing something right. We know something here. All right, so that $30,000 you have at the the 10th year, you take that and it's time to replace your car. All right, so you're going to take that $30,000 and you're going to put it down on your next car. Okay? 
down payment, $30,000. So uh, let's just say, well, you know, with inflation, the average car is now 40,000 or the average finance is, is 40,000 at 37,500. So we are going to be financing $10,000, right? We put $30,000 down. We need to finance that 40, that balance of 10. So we're going to balance, we're going to do that for 72 months. We're going to pick that that same time frame. It's $151 a month for 72 months. Make sense? Okay. But Makes we're going to keep paying ourselves. That's, that's that, that there optionality. is optionality. We're going to pay $151 to the bank and the balance between that and the 568 of today's average, we're going to invest it. That's $417 a month for six years. At the end of the sixth year, you want to take a guess at how much we have? 45,000? 36,000. That's 6%. So you were doing, you were doing 8% in your mind, I bet you. That's, that's what you were doing. I could see it in your eyes. $36,000 saved up, right? And if you keep putting in $568 over the next four years, you know, to, to, to round out that 10 years, you're going to have over $75,000 in your account. So in 20 years, now 20 years, like, like Eric, that's so far, 20 years. But 75,000, you walk in, you're buying a car cash at that point. You can keep saving. You have the optionality to keep saving. But what, what I want to capture here is I know there was a lot of numbers that I threw out there, but here's, I think, the lesson. The lesson is save and invest money, let it grow, because that's going to help you finance your car in the future. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. Yeah, definitely. That makes complete sense. I mean, it, and it's one of those things where, you know, again, life's going to happen. And even in that, that you know, 20 years down the road, you might have 75000 to pay for a car in cash, but you also have the ability to use that money for something else, like a wraparound deck on your house. Maybe you want, maybe you need two new cars, right? Maybe you're comfortable going back to the good debt, bad debt where, you know, hey, I like the idea of maybe having $50,000 in cash in the bank for whatever reason, right? Maybe you want to buy a boat. Maybe you want to buy a second home, the, the you know, whatever floats your yeah. boat. And you have the ability to then try to control a payment that you might be comfortable with. And I think, I think you can actually accelerate this. So in your case, you were given a car. I mean, just the average is 568. You don't have to drive an average car. You can go find a, a perfectly good car for less than that to accelerate this idea of building up an account. If you were to designate a, a, an account specific to you buying a car, right? So uh, certainly you don't have to drive the average car. You can go buy something less expensive. You could buy something used. You talked about your wife buying a, a, a car off, you know, the, the, you know, that was, that was previously leased. Let someone else take the depreciation. That's right. That's absolutely right. Again, it just ties back to, I think that the word of the day is optionality, right? It, it's giving your, it's giving yourself the options to make, be able to make decisions that are in your best interest for, for the present and the future. Man. All right. Now option is that at the end of those 10 years, that 10 year period, if I've got 75,000 or just over $75,000, I've got a car and now I have, again, I'm going to use optionality, the optionality to be able to go out there and do something else. You know, whether it's, it's taking those ski trips that you guys enjoy doing, whether it's going out there and purchasing that second car. So it, it, it gives me options to do different things over that time frame. You just, you just might have to be willing to, uh, to withstand the ridicule of your friends, right? If you're driving a old and that's tough. And it's tough. It, it, that is, that's, it's tough ridicule. I mean, I, I get it from my friends. I get it from, from certain family members. 
And, um, you know, I, it's funny, I have, we have a two car garage and I, I keep my car parked in, in the driveway just cause we use the other side of the garage for other things. And it's funny, my father will say, I don't know how you can sit there and park that car out front. And I just always <laughs> reply, you know, I, I park it out there with a big smile on my face. Well, like <laughs> and, that car doesn't belong in your neighborhood. Is that kind of, it just doesn't look with the ha- look right with the house. It, like what's it, his... it, it does stick out like a sore thumb. It, it does stick out like a sore thumb. But what's funny, Eric is, you know, some of my neighbors, the dad, I call them the neighborhood dads. Cause, cause I'm like the only one without kids. No, who, dude, you're a dog you like dad, bro. You're a dog dad to Jackson. <laughs> Come on. We've, we've had the conversation multiple times that, you know, it, it, it's a little different human beings versus dogs. Um, but we'll get together in one of my neighbor's driveways and, and have like some beers around a fire. And there's a few of them who say, Nolan, I'm, I'm so impressed that, you know, you still drive that. And when I tell them that I get the ridicule from my friends and, and certain family members, they say, you should park it out there with pride. Some of them say, yeah. you know, they fall into that old mindset of, you know, hey, you know, you can go get a new car. Why wouldn't you just go and do that? And we've had the conversation endless times of what do I what do I need a five hundred and sixty eight dollar car payment for? Yeah. Right? I mean, you see me, I drive, I drive to the grocery store, I drive to the golf course and that's about it. Any, like I said, any long distance trips, it's the wife's, it's the compass. That's the car we're taking. Yeah. I mean, any of your financial advisor loves it because you've got your priorities together. Well, what so. I, here's what I like about it. There's intentionality to it, right? So another characteristic or common thread amongst millionaires is frugality and they're not influenced by what everyone else is doing you know they're not they don't care about keeping up with the joneses and i see that so often that man you know i just got i yeah i hear people say my i pay my car off next month i'm gonna go get a new car i'm like why would you do that well i'm paying my car <laughs> off i'm like that's fantastic you have five hundred dollars or six hundred dollars to do something else with yeah but like my car is four years old i'm like but it runs fine it looks great <laughs> right why right why why do you want to get yourself into another if you don't need to and I think that, I think that's I think that's the if there's anything to capture here, it's being just purposeful and intentional on how you spend money. And I'm look, I'm the last guy to tell someone not to drive a fancy car. If you want to drive a fancy car, that's that's cool. If you if you like that, that's fine. That, there's no problem with that. But you're saying no to something else. You might have to right. cut something and, to be able to drive that car. And and it's funny you say that. So like my father is like the polar opposite of me, where you know he has my entire life least a jeep and every two three years he gets the newest jeep and he gets compliments on it i have friends like he came over my contractors are here and they were just looking at his jeep and like wow this is so nice etc and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that right if, if that's something that makes my dad happy he enjoys having the new jeep every two or three years maybe those compliments make him feel good there's no right or wrong answer, but it's just, and I think you hit on this earlier, it's being thoughtful about your decision making. And if you think it through and you're educated on, you know, like your plan of, of being able to pay for a new car, you know, if you just drive it for a while, um, but you want to make a decision to, to not do that or do that, you know, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But it's just having the understanding of, like you said, is this costing me something else? Right? Like, is this costing yeah. me a, a boat? Is this costing me a vacation? Is this costing me savings for retirement? Right? What is this costing me? Right? There's no free lunch. It goes back to putting the personal and personal finance. It's I don't know. I don't know your cash flow situation. I don't know your debt. I don't know. I don't know if you're going to get a bonus or not this year. Um, I don't know how much you have stashed away in your retirement account. I don't know if you're going to inherit money in a year or two years. 
there's, so there's a lot of variables that go into how we make uh, spending decisions. And I think it's just being thoughtful with it. Like, yeah, you're right. You, your dad, your dad could probably cash flow it, whether he leases a car and you know, there, there's probably something really nice about leasing a car, not ever having to worry about maintenance. Just bring it in. Loves that. Yeah, it's great. I could drive it when I'm done. I think Porsche now, I think with Porsche, I think Porsche is running a deal where you can like pay like 1500 bucks a month and you can drive whatever car you want whenever you want or something along those lines. I've heard, I think, I think it was Porsche that did that. Hey, look, if you can cash flow that, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you not to do it. But if you're if you're buried in debt and, and you're trying to send a kid to school and save for your retirement and you're driving a car with a $1,500 car note or a $516 car note, you better be sure part of my advice to you is gonna be, we need to revisit. We need to revisit this because it it's getting in the way of you achieving what you have communicated to me is important to you. That's more important you're, to you than your car. You're absolutely right. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about when they when they make these decisions, Eric, right? They they think I need a car and oh look at this new car. It has the bells and whistles. It's brand new, never been driven, right? The, the TV on it's 4K now, you know, because that's a massive upgrade that you need when you're driving. And um, you know, it's it's people forego the, you know, do I have enough save for retirement, right? Am I funding five two nines for the children? Right. Do I have other goals? That to your point, hey, maybe driving a, a lesser car is going to help me reach three more goals because of the cash flow and I could reallocate those resources, right? Those are things I think a lot of people overlook. Yeah. As we go ahead, Xavier. I was going to say, and, and that goes back, we had a conversation um, on the last podcast you know, where we talked about that good debt versus bad debt. How do you pay it off? Well, if we're not paying that $568 a month, on that note, we've got those additional monies that we could save, that we could pay down some of that credit card debt where we've got those high interest rates. We could go in and we could pay back those student loans because um, student loans right now, you're looking at a mortgage when you're paying yeah, those student sure. loans. So it's all about the personal finance. What are we looking to achieve? This is a, um, as we wrap up here, I have a confession to make. You ready for this? So you're paying that. <laughs> No, you're paying that seven hundred dollar a month car note. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you you're the one driving no. that Porsche. Heck no! That's how we knew no. about it. That's how we knew about the deal so well. Yeah, Heck no, no. We yeah. actually we in 2020 we actually acquired three cars. Oh my gosh! Because my my son started driving, my car hit 10 years old, and my wife's van um, started to to have some some maintenance stuff. So after seven years, we actually. Got hers first, and then my son's, and then I got mine. But um, optionality, I had the optionality to do that. Am I using that? In the, is that the correct? Uh, uh, that's the correct. Tense? That's the correct use of it. Yeah, correct <laughs> I had the optionality to do that, and I'm going to continue to fight for optionality in the future because my new car has air conditioned seats. And oh my gosh, well, you're up in. You're up in what Boston, so you don't need that. But down here in New Orleans, man, air conditioned seats, it is game changer. And I am going to fight for the optionality so that in ten years when I have to get another car, I've got air conditioned seats. All right, John. Any 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 closing thoughts? Xavier? You want you wanna send us away with something, then we'll let Nolan uh share. I, and I'm gonna go back to that word optionality. Um, I'm in that same boat uh, with Nolan right now where we're looking at going in and, and changing out floors and, and uh, redoing a bathroom. But we do have that option to be able to do it because we are saving. Um, we're not 
paying that $568 a month car. We've made the decision that we're going to pay a lesser amount on a car so that we have the option to be able to go out there and do things that we want to do. Yeah. Nolan. That's awesome. Yeah, I re- I, I, it's funny you say that, Xavier. I recently just redid my office and downstairs with new floors last year. Um, so I, I had a big smile on my face when you said you were doing new floors. Um, the, the one thing I'll leave you guys with, and, and it's for the listeners, if, if you're looking for a newer book, kind of a similar process or mindset of, of The Millionaire Next Door, um, The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel was, was a great one that I read earlier this year. Um, it's very digestible. You know, meaning it, it's a variety of different anecdotes around everything related to money. And when you were talking about, you know, the millionaire who lived in a three bedroom and he drove an F-150. And I immediately thought back to uh, one of the first stories in the book about this janitor who, if you looked at him, you looked at what he wore, um, he was a janitor, you know, so his, his income wasn't, he didn't have a high income job. And you looked at his apartment he lived in. And when he passed away, his children were mind blown because they were inheriting over a million dollars. And they were just like, how on earth does my dad have a million dollars? And it's, he lived below his means. He didn't take out bad debt and he saved and had optionality. Now he was someone who chose not to to leverage that into a nicer house, nicer clothes, et cetera. But it's something that you just think about, you know, different people, how they look, how they present themselves. And you really don't know you know, what's behind the curtain. hundred percent, man. And you said that author's Morgan, name, you Morgan said that Housel? author's name is Morgan Hauser. Spell Hausel for those that are listening H-O-U-S-A-L. for H-O-U-S-A-L. You don't look too confident in that spelling. Right. I'm, I'm like 90%. <laughs> okay. I'm like 90%. But yeah, it's called well, The, the well, Psychology of Money. Well, it, well, it's a very new book. I think it came out last year. We'll link it. We'll link it in the show notes. Nolan. Man, thanks for coming on. We've been talking about doing yeah, thanks this. Thanks for having me. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Yeah, this is this is great. So the optionality of not having a car note, awesome, man. Um, take care, brother. I think you could you could title it the podcast presented by optionality. Presented by option is that? It's a good name for a company. Optionality. We got got something going on here. Anyway, man, thank thanks for thanks for uh, thanks for taking time today, Xavier. Thanks, as guys. Always, appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate it. We Follow appreciate us, y'all, you. if you like what you're hearing on stuffaboutmoney.com. Information presented and discussed on the Stuff About Money podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute direct financial advice. Consult with a qualified financial advisor prior to implementing any strategies discussed. Eric Garcia and Xavier Angel's branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor not affiliated with the Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated.